KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzet Torah. You're listening to the Erev Shabbat program. Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Yudbet Elul, Parashat Ki This is the Erev Shabbat program. The Erev Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel. I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. Last week, when we began the Erev Shabbat program again after a summer vacation. We began with Chodesh Elul, and we began on our odyssey into dealing with tshuva. And we discussed a most basic point, the need to engage. We discussed that at times we might find it difficult to begin the motor of Chazarabi Tshuva, but that the solution was not running away from it and avoiding it, but it was engaging it. And this is a attitude which um, is something that can only be understood over a long-term period. That might mean one who engages doesn't necessarily always come up with the inspiration, the motivation. But over a long-term period, and long-term period might be years, might be even longer than years, might be decades, a person who engages is likely to come across answers, places where he feels comfortable with, And a person who disengages is seriously limiting their chances of coming across answers because if there's a disengagement, the answers are only going to come from within and not from without. In part two then of our odyssey towards tshuva, we want to connect somehow Parshat Shavua with our odyssey. It's a, it's one of those, how should we call them, coincidences or not coincidences, that Sefer Dvarim is the, is the Sefer that year after year after year comes along with us, follows us, walks along with us in our path towards Tshuva and Chodesh Elul and Yamim Noraim. Anybody who is familiar with the end of Sefer Dvarim, knows how steeped Sefer Dvarim is in the concepts of tshuva. And if we open in Sefer and Parshat Nitzavim, which is this year, the parasha that we read right before Rosh Hashanah, if I'm not mistaken, perhaps we always read it before Rosh Hashanah, I might be wrong, now, there might be years where it's Shabbat Shuvah. This year, in any case, we read it before Rosh Hashanah. And we have Psukim that really describe the Tshuva process. Vayakiyavo <laughs> 
ושב אדוני אלוהיך את שהותך וריחמך, ושב וקיבצך מכל העמים אשר הפיצך אדוני אלוהיך שמה. And I'm skipping, ומעל אדוני אלוהיך לבבך ואת לבב זרעיך לאהבה את אדוני אלוהיך בכל לבבך ובכל נפשך למען חייך. Without translating word for word, there's a several stage process here which begins with והשבותי לבביך, returning to our hearts. And this is an interesting point to point out that this tshuva process is first and foremost about returning to ourselves and who we truly are. And the next day is Vishavta Adashem Elokecha, is returning to God. After we've returned to ourselves and who we truly are, we are then capable of returning to God because our connection to God is truly about who we truly are. Vishav Hashem Elokecha. And then there's a reciprocation. God returns to us. Now, of course, I'm... Some a little bit reading the Pesukim out of their context because what the the last Pasuk that I read is really describing God returning us to Eretz Yisrael and collecting us from all the nations of the world and bringing us to Eretz Yisrael but I'm allowing myself a little bit of poetic license here and then God will circumcise our hearts of course metaphorically speaking of God altering our hearts in a way that we'll always love Him. The end of Sefer Dvarim then, and we could show this also in Parshat Vayelach and Parshat Hazinu, explicitly deals with the tshuva process. And these psukim are extremely inspirational. They are that inspirational speech that we want to hear on Rosh Hashanah, on Yom Kippur, on Shabbat Shuvah, about returning to ourselves, about returning to God, about God returning to us, about God returning us to our land. Perhaps if we backtrack before Parshat Nitzavim is Parshat Kitavo, where the person who gives the speech is talking to us about sachar ve'onesh, punishment and reward, reward and punishment. If you're good, all these good things will happen to you. But if you're bad, an even longer list of bad things will happen to you. And certainly that too has its place in the tshuva process of being aware of the reward and punishment for our actions. But if we take ourselves one step back, we come to Parshat Ki And Parshat Ki is the Parsha in the Torah with the most mitzvot. I don't have the exact numbers, and I certainly cannot count all these mitzvot while I'm within the confines of the Arab Shabbat program. But it is the parsha with the most mitzvot. And the mitzvot span to all areas of halacha. We have laws of going to war, laws of returning lost items to their owner. Kan Sipor, 
the mitzvah of sending the mother bird away, building a fence around your house, tzitzit, marital relations, tumavetahara, maintaining purity in the in the camp of going out to war, nidarim, taking vows. Interpersonal relationships, how we deal with poor people, how do we deal with people who we give loans to. Yivama. Zechirat Amalek. Pretty much every aspect of Jewish life is included here. If I would look hard enough, I'd probably also find references to the Beit HaMikdash. Here, in fact, there is a reference to the Beit HaMikdash as well. The laws of sacrifices. The prohibition of which animals are appropriate to be bringing as a korban, as a sacrifice. We're not allowed to bring an animal that was a sheep that was exchanged for a dog or an animal that was exchanged for prostitution. So every aspect of the mitzvot, of every of all Jewish life is mentioned here. And all Jewish life, not in the sense of today, where we are missing the laws of Tumah V'tara and, and, and the laws of the Beit HaMikdash, every aspect of Jewish life, all six starim of, of the Mishnayot, all 14 volumes of the Rambam, everything is in this week's Parsha. All the mitzvot, the practical mitzvot. And here perhaps... Is something that goes back to what we discussed last week, but with our with our viewpoint towards the future. We are looking to be inspired. We are looking for that speech first of Parashat Kitavo, where we will be warned of the reward and punishment, or we'll be encouraged by the war and punishment reward and punishment. We're looking for that inspirational speech of Parashat Nitzavim. of returning to yourself, returning to God, and God returning to us. We are looking for that. But, perhaps the lesson of the continuity of the Parshiot in Sefer Dvarim, which perhaps I will coin here, Sefer HaTshuva, the book of repentance, the book of Tshuva, Tells us to go back a stage. We do want inspiration, but we have obligations. We have to steep ourselves in the mitzvot, in the world of mitzvot, and realize that running away from it and looking for inspiration elsewhere is difficult. And this goes back to last week's idea of engagement. We need to engage our life of Torah and mitzvot in order to find that inspiration. Parashat ki is before Parashat ki nitzavim. Hoping to find in someone to inspire us and pick us up by our hair and bring us into a world of Torah and mitzvot, of a relationship with God. I can't, won't say impossible, but it's not the message that the Torah is teaching us. The message of, that the Torah is teaching us is 
go into the world of Torah mitzvot. Engage the world of Torah mitzvot. You're not inspired yet? Don't run away. Engage. Engage the world of Torah mitzvot. Be a part of it. Go to davening every day. Make up a chavruta. Slichot will be starting in a week from now. A little bit over than a week from now. Go to slichot. You don't understand them all. Learn about them. Read up about them. Be more makpid on Lashon Be more makpid on Tefillin, Tzitzis, Kashrut, whatever mitzvah that you've been letting go a little bit. From a, a world, from an experience of engaging oneself in Torah mitzvot, even lacking inspiration, from that world of engagement, the world of inspiration is the next step. And this is an extremely important message. We are look we are all looking to be inspired. The the picture of being pulled up by the, by our hair is a is a picture from Rabbi Nachman Breslov who talks about anybody who will pray by his kever on Rosh Hashanah will be pulled up by, he will pull them up by their hair and take them out of Gehinom. I don't want to talk about going to Uman on Rosh Hashanah. It's a topic which I'm not fond of. But this idea that without our own actions of engaging Torah mitzvot, somehow something will inspire us and take us there It's not an idea that I can identify with. We can't run away from Torah mitzvot. We can't expect inspiration to come from somewhere else. We have to go through the life of Torah mitzvot on all the places where it seems not so interesting, not so inspiring. All of that is part of the world of Torah mitzvot. And we have this complete world of Torah mitzvot. And that is our basis I think that from there, the path towards inspiration is not very far. And at this point in the Arab Shabbat program, we will give over the microphone to Rav Tavari. This week, on Yud Gimel Elul, will be the yard site of Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit. I had never heard of him when I was a young child. And the first time that I think I heard his name mentioned was when I studied Meseches Gitten in Yeshiva University. In the beginning of the year, Rav Soloveitchik had a custom of mentioning Svarim that we should be aware of when we learn a certain Masechta. He generally mentioned the classic Rishonim that were available in the Masechta, and once in a while mentioned a famous Achram. When we learned Gitten, 
he mentioned that there's a sefer called Teferis Yaakov and Gitten, which he recommended. We all looked up at a little bit in shock. An achron that some of us had never heard of was one of the svarim that was recommended by the Rav when we learned Gitten. And he smiled this in an inimitable way and said, yes, yes, it, it is quite good. It is a bit, a bit sharp, but it is quite good. That interested me about the history of Rabbi Yaakov Kuzuntai. When I moved to Alon Shvut, within Alon Shvut, there's a, a family named Kuzuntai, who are descendants of Rabbi Yaakov Kuzuntai. When I saw on the list that this week was the yard site of Rabbi Yaakov Kuzuntai, I mentioned to them that I would be interested in doing the uh, Sicha about Rav Gesundheit, but I really did not know much material besides one or two stories that I heard personally. And they referred me to a book called Harishon Shalshelet Brisk, a book written by Rav Chaim Karlinsky of America about the Beis HaLevi. In that book, there's quite a bit of material about Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit, and most of the information that I'm going to present is taken from that book. Rabbi Yaakov was born in 1815 in Kislev of 1815, Tovkuf Ein in a small town near Warsaw. As a child, he learned by Rabbi Leibzuntz, among others. Rabbi Leibzuntz is well known for, pub, for writing and publishing, I don't know how many svarim, but a, a, an amazing amount of svarim. When his Rabbanim passed away, Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit became a Rosh Hashiva, and it seems that he was 17 years old when he was appointed as the Rosh Hashiva. He lived in Warsaw, and he was very well known as a major Tamid Chacham. In fact, when Rabbi Kiva Eger came to Warsaw to visit, he spent a great deal of time with Rabbi Yaakov and they appreciated this young fellow as a great Lamdin. When he was 26 years old, he wrote his first Sefer, Tiferes Yaakov, Unchosh Mishpat. He then continued to write other Svarim, among them are the, the Sefer that I mentioned before, all the Svarim, by the way, are called Tiferes Yaakov, but he wrote a Tiferes Yaakov on Chosh Mishpat, he also wrote a Tiferes Yaakov on Gitten, and then he wrote on Chulin. There are other Sfarim. Some have been printed and some have been only in manuscript and I assume some have been lost. Although he was a Rosh Hashiva, although he was known as a major Tamit Chacham, he made a living by working and apparently he did quite well in his work and became wealthy. He supported his own Yeshiva himself through his business. At that time, Warsaw was known as a Hasidish uh, city. Most of the people in Warsaw were Hasidim, and of course the Ger Hasidim in Warsaw were a very strong group. When, For many years, Warsaw did not have a Rav. When they decided to appoint a Rav, there was a big discussion about who the Rav should be. One person, then another person, served as the Rav of Warsaw. In 1870, there was a big controversy over the 
empty position, the last Rav had passed away, and they needed to appoint a Rav. Rabbi Yaakov was one of the candidates, but he had one major problem. Although everyone recognized his godless in Torah, he was an ardent misnagid. He opposed Hasidus very strongly. In Warsaw, it was not politically correct to oppose Hasidus at a time when many of the people, perhaps most of the people, were affiliated with Hasidic groups, and as I said, especially with Ger. There was an appointment done through the government of Warsaw, and Rabbi Yaakov in 1870, when he was 55 years old, was appointed officially as the Rav of Warsaw. Reb Nassim Spiegelglass was the one who administered the oath of office, and I'd like for a moment to mention who Reb Nassim Spiegelglass was. One of the people who came from Warsaw and was so enthralled with life in Warsaw was a big Talmud Chacham in New York named Reb Simcha Elberg. He was the editor of Hapardes, and he was a gifted writer. He wrote a number of books besides editing this Torah rabbinic journal called Hapardes, and Rabbi Elberg wrote a book about Varsha Shamala, about the spiritual world of Warsaw. In that book, he described his Rebbe, Reb Nassim Spiegelglass, as one of the major gadol of his generation, who really somehow had not been well known and is was not well known, and Rabbi Elberg somehow publicized him, became the world became more aware who Rav Nassim Spiegelglass was. So it's important to note that Rav Nassim Spiegelglass, who was recognized and known as one of the gedolim of that generation, of that time, was the one who administered the oath of office to Rabbi Yaakov, which means that it was officially accepted and understood by people that Rabbi Yaakov was the Rav of Warsaw. Unfortunately, the Hasidim were not happy by this appointment. The ostensible main reason for their opposition was, as I said, Rabbi Yaakov was strongly opposed to Hasidus. Hasidim, together with modern Maskilim in the Encyclopedia Judaica, they're actually called assimilationists. The Hasidim, according to the, the article in the Judaica, Hasidim fought back together with the assimilationists under Ludwig Nathanson, compelled them to resign from the rabbinate after four years. Those years when he was Rav of Warsaw were the crowning years of his life. He had been a Rosh Hashiv, he had been a businessman, but the Rav of Varsha, Varsha was a, as, as a town of Lamdim, of Tamini Chachamim, and he was the Rav of Warsaw. But the Hasidim, and I said the joined modern Maskilim, to complain to the government. They complained to the government that about his business ethics. They claimed that he had owned different businesses and he didn't run them properly and it wasn't fitting for Warsaw to have such a person. They uh, complained to the Jewish community that he wasn't really appointed by the, by the Jewish community, he was appointed by the government. In any case, he was officially removed from the position of the Rav of Warsaw and he was told that he no longer has the title of being the Rav of Warsaw. 
after he left the official position, he became ill with tuberculosis. For three and a half years, he suffered from tuberculosis. They went to various doctors, tried to cure him. During those three and a half years, not only did he become ill, he was disillusioned with the fact that he had lost his rabbanus. Apparently, he was broken both physically and spiritually. After five years of leaving office, after three and a half years of suffering with tuberculosis, he passed away on Yud Gimel Elul Tafresh Lamed Chet. Tafresh Lamed Chet. 1878. He was 63 when he was Nifter. Although he had been removed from office, and as I said, he lived a difficult life his last few years, the Levaya was known and written about in various newspapers. The phrase Kavod Gadol Asula Bemoto is certainly correct. He, he was given great honor upon his death. The, ver- the newspapers wrote about the Levaya and mentioned that they had never seen such a crowd in Warsaw ever. They estimated the crowd at 20,000 people and various Rabbanim were Maspid Rabbi Yaakov Kusantet. Although many of the names of the Maspidim were missing from the newspaper accounts, one person, one Hesped, stood out among the others. And that was the Hesped of Rabbi Yosheber Salavechik, the Beis Halevi. The book that I mentioned earlier, which as the source for much of this talk, is basically the story of Rabbi Yosheber Salavechik. Harishon Shoshelet Brisk, the first of the famous Brisk dynasty. Rabbi Yashabir actually took the place of Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit as the Rav of Warsaw. When he was appointed Rabbi Yashabir, there were, the same discussion was raised. How could it be Rabbi Yashabir, the uh, scion of a family that stems from Rabbi Chaim Valashner, that stems from people who oppose Hasidus? How could it be that he would move to to Warsaw, become the Rav, and would be accepted by the community? Rabbi Yashabir was accepted by the community. In fact, the Ger Rebbe himself recommended that Rabbi Yashabir become the Rav of Warsaw. And Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit, at the time, even though he was deposed, his influence was strong enough that his recommendation was also considered. So Rabbi Yashabir, the reigning Rav of Warsaw, was maspid him, and we have details of his husband. In the newspapers, as I said, such uh, details of the husband were not well known. But in the book, Rabbi Karlansky, Rabbi Karlinsky writes that he personally heard details of the husband from two people. From the Briskerov, Rabbi Yitzchak Zev, who is the grandson of the Beis HaLevi, and from Chaim Dovber Gulevsky, who was the 
grandson of Reb Simcha who was the Dayan of Vilna. And these people told him the gist of what they heard at the at the uh, at the Hespit. This is the second reason why I mentioned the life of Reb Yaakov Gesundheit interested me. I was present when a husband was given in Yeshiva University. Now, I'm not sure if I remember all the details, but basically, the story of this Levaya that I took place in Yeshiva University was a certain person passed away whose life also ended in a state of some sort of depression, unhappiness, a person who at one point in his life had led a better life. And Rav Salavechik was maspid, this person, and he began by saying that when Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit passed away, my great-grandfather, Rabbi Yashabir, was maspid him. And he said the following. Now, although I said I do not remember all the details, part of the details I'd like to say and we'll find it also written in, in the book a little bit differently than the way I remember it. When Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit was nifter, the Beis Halevi used Midrashim to talk about a person who had passed away, one of the Malcha Yisrael, who passed away in a time when his situation had become quite bad. But at the time of the Hesped, you were not Masped him according to the last years of his life, but you were Masped the person who lived in his glory, who lived at the time of his glory. Rabbi Yankala was a tzaddik. And he was a, a king who should have been seated on the throne of the rabbinate of Warsaw. But the people of Warsaw, his generation, were not deserving of such a kingdom to enjoy the great light that his soul could, could spread. Therefore, Rabotai, I want you to know he was of the Rav of Orsha. He remains the Rav of Orsha. And when he comes into Ganeiden, they will welcome him as the Rav of Orsha. And the Rav Salvechik used this idea to say about the person who he was nifter, he will also be welcomed into the world to come, not according to his status in his later years, but rather in his years of glory. Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit indeed passed away as a tragic figure. But in our world, he's known as the Rav of Orsha and as the author of the Svarim Tiferes Yaakov on various Mesechtos and Choshe Mishpat and Shuvas. Yehei Zichro Baruch. Thank you very much, Rav Tavori. And as we go into Parashat Ki and we read about very, very, very specific mitzvot, 
We look for mitzvot in all avenues of our lives, in all aspects of our lives. And through this world of engaging Torah mitzvot, we hope and pray that we will find the inspiration to take ourselves to the next level, to bring ourselves closer to God in these yamim of Elul, in these days of Elul, in these days of coming and searching out God and looking for God. Shabbat Shalom.